Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. 1 John is a book that focuses on the divine eternal life that we all as believers receive by faith. It is the fellowship of this life that empowers and enables us to live the Christian life. And in 1 John, it is unveiled marvelously as well as practically. John also warns us and instructs us to be on guard concerning those things that disrupt this fellowship of life, such as sin. And in chapter 5, he even instructs us that it is possible in the Lord to be able to discern the deep spiritual condition of other members of the body of Christ, to more effectively pray, and even to become a channel of the divine life for them. Bob Danker has joined us, really part two of a fellowship we began yesterday with Ed Marks on this passage in 1 John chapter 5 concerning seeing a brother who is caught in sin and knowing intimately and inwardly how to pray and how even to become a channel of the supply of life. Good to have you here, Bob. It's good to be with you, Chris. And I think as we go through this portion again with Brother Lee and in our fellowship, we'll be deeply impressed with the crucial matter of living in the fellowship of life with the Lord. This is a focus throughout this entire epistle. John's burden is that we would live in intimate union and fellowship with the Lord. And all the benefits that come out of this, uh, we'll see even in this portion, there is a great benefit to uh, the believers living in intimate union with the Lord. The section we're in, for those who weren't with us yesterday, is First John chapter 5, beginning of verse 14. I want to read these uh, few verses here and then maybe talk about something that people often think of when they read these verses, but not to lead us away from what you correctly identified as the main focus, this matter of the intimate fellowship. But let's look at these verses. In uh, chapter 5, it says, And this is the boldness which we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin not unto death, he shall ask and he will give life to him, to those sinning not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he should make request concerning that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not unto death. Well, Bob, the obvious uh, subject here that many times Christians focus on is this matter of the sin unto death. There seems to be clearly in John's presentation here two categories of sin. Let's spend a minute and get it kind of out of the way so it not dominate our consciousness as we touch the real crucial elements here. Let's talk about the sin unto death and what we know about it, what we know it is, and what we know it isn't. Well, I would say, first of all, Chris, that this is not a any particular sin. We cannot identify a particular sin and say, that is the sin unto death. But as we read through the scriptures, we do encounter certain instances where a particular person sinned against the Lord, and the consequence of his sinning was death. In Acts chapter 5, we have the case of Ananias and Sapphira, who came to the apostles, and apparently 
uh, gave them the impression that they had sold everything and had brought everything and laid it at the feet of the apostles. And then Peter said, Why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? And eventually we know both Ananias and Sapphira were judged by God with death immediately after they committed that sin. And then we have other cases in First Corinthians. Some of the Corinthian believers were taking the Lord's table in an unworthy manner, not discerning the body of Christ. And Paul said, because of this, some of you are weak, and many of you are sick, and some of you are even asleep, meaning you have died. So some of the Corinthians were judged by the Lord. And there are a number of other cases, even in the Old Testament. We know that Moses was not allowed to enter the good land of Canaan. He died before he entered the land because of an incident in which he struck the rock twice, and he became angry with the children of Israel when God was not angry with his people. So this was a sin uh, against the Lord, and yet it was serious enough that eventually it caused Moses to die prematurely before he could enter the good land. So there are cases, but all of these cases are serious, yet they are a certain kind of sin, a certain kind of sin against, we would say, against God's government. Mm. And how to identify such a sin? Well, the only way is if we live in intimate union with the Lord. Yeah, and that is the uh, segue we're looking for because it brings us back to what we want to stress is the key point in these verses, not so much uh, trying to figure out what is the sin unto death, what is not, but more how critical it is that we be brought into this deep fellowship and union with the Lord so that his heart even becomes our heart when we pray. Marvelous. It is marvelous. Let's join Witness Lee with the first portion. These verses, 14 through 17, refer to a situation very deep in the Lord. You must be one that is absolutely with the Lord. Then you know his will. Not only you know his will, you also know the one who is sinning because he is your brother. This is not a light matter. This is not a shallow matter. This is a matter too, too deep. You are one with the Lord, and you really know these sinning brothers' condition and situation before the Lord. So, you are in such a condition knowing the Lord's will. Then you pray. When you know the Lord's will, sure you know this sinning brother is dying or not. These four verses tell us that we who have the eternal life can pass the eternal life to others. This means we can be a channel and we can channel out this eternal life into others. The eternal life within us is a real thing. And it is so practical. We can enjoy this eternal life within us. Not only so, we also can pass this eternal life on to others. We can channel this eternal life out from us or through us to others. But this kind of a experience is a deep matter. You cannot do it superficially. 
And you cannot do it lightly. You must be a person so deeply in the Lord and you know the Lord's heart because you are in the Lord's heart. If you are such a person up to this kind of degree in the Lord, you surely know the Lord's will. As you know the Lord's will, you know whether you should pray for Him or not. Bob, uh, this touches something I think every Christian at one time or another has to have considered. We see this passage and it says, if you ask anything according to his will, you know that you have what you asked for. This has always puzzled me. I think everyone listening has had the experience. How do we know that this is God's will? Yes, this is a very good question, Chris. And this kind of question comes up here in a book like 1 John. And it's a wonderful question context to consider this, because First John is a book about the divine, eternal life and our living in the fellowship of this life. And this portion here at the end of this epistle, I would say, really shows us the degree of intimacy and oneness with the Lord that we can attain mm. as we are living in the fellowship of this life. I would call this a a high peak of the experience of the divine life, living a so one with the Lord that we know his heart. In fact, we live in his heart. As you said earlier, his heart becomes our heart. This is a very deep matter, a matter that requires much experience on our part in the matter of living in union with the Lord. And also, while we are living in union with the Lord, we not only know His will so that we can pray according to His will, but we also know the condition of our brother, the one who is known by us, Mm -hmm. some brother in our church, perhaps. We know this brother, we know his situation, and if he becomes involved in some kind of sin, because of our intimate fellowship with the Lord, we know the Lord's will concerning him, And we also know whether or not he has sinned a sin unto death. And John says we shouldn't pray for him if he has. How can we know whether he has? Well, the only way, again, is to live in union and communion with the Lord in such an intimate way that we just know the Lord's heart and we know the real situation that is related to our brothers in the Lord. Bob, I recall uh, as you were speaking here, uh, another example of this uh, in Paul's writings in Corinthians where there was one who had offended not just Paul but had offended the Lord, and Paul said he delivered him to Satan. No doubt this had to come out of his own deep and intimate contact with God, and Paul's action there was really reflecting the Lord's judgment on this one. This was not Paul acting independently, was it? That's right, Chris, and also this same person whom Paul delivered to Satan. This was the brother in 1 Corinthians 5 who uh, committed the terrible sin of fornication. Paul delivered him to Satan at one point uh, and asked the believers there in Corinth to put him out of the church. But then, as we uh, read the second epistle to the Corinthians, we see that Paul was so concerned for this brother, and at one point Paul said to the believers in Corinth, you must receive him back into the fellowship of the church. So here this brother had repented of his sin, and Paul said, now we must receive him. So on the one hand, Paul knew when to deliver 
him to Satan, that is, to put him out of the fellowship of the church. On the other hand, he knew when to receive him back again into the fellowship of the church. How could Paul have such a discernment to know the real situation of this brother and what the will of the Lord was concerning this brother? Well, the only way is that Paul was surely living in the fellowship of the divine life. So he was really living out what John was describing here in uh, chapter 5 of his first epistle. Absolutely. Marvelous, isn't it? Really marvelous. Uh, Bob, let's step back for a minute. We look at this whole book. As you said, it is a book about the divine eternal life. And uh, also we see periodically through the book uh, some warnings to us on things that can disrupt or interrupt this divine flow, this divine fellowship of life. Uh, That's our subject on this second portion. Let's go back to Witness Lee. This is a book on the fellowship of the divine life. In three chapters, in chapter 1, in chapter 3, and chapter 5, they all indicate a strong point that sin is a problem to us. In chapter 1, sin and sins are very much covered. And in chapter 3, it shows also that sin causes trouble to our conscience. Then in this chapter, chapter 5, my, it shows us sin is terrible. It's terrible. It does not only interrupt our fellowship, it breaks our fellowship. It does not only make our conscience without peace. Regardless of small sin or big sin whatsoever, it may cause a physical death to you. To human concept, when you come to our table, whether you discern the table or not, that is a small thing, right? But in First Corinthians chapter 11 says, when you come to our table, if you come with a kind of divisive spirit, and this means you don't discern the Lord's table. So, so many Corinthian believers, because of this, became weak. That was a warning to them, yet they wouldn't care. So, they became sick. A further warning, they still wouldn't care. Then, they die. To our opinion, was not a big sin. I tell you, there are different angles. From the human angle, you may consider that a small thing. But from God's angle, especially from his governmental angle, some of the things which are not so serious in our sight, but they are really serious in God's governmental sight. Like Moses. Moses, according to God's government, he made a big mistake. And his mistake was too great against God's government. In the eyes of the Israelites, Moses just was a little unhappy. He was provoked. Yes, he still did his job for them. But what he did was a big mistake against God's government. So, it depends from what angle you look into your failure.
Bob, this brings us back to uh, our fellowship at the beginning of the program. The sin unto death really being those things, not just one particular sin, but those things that cross the line of really uh, offending God uh, governmentally or administratively. And that is the category here where there's such a severe warning. Witnessly referred to the case of Moses, which we talked about a little bit. This was where Moses, uh, his anger prompted him to do something that, that touched God's government, didn't it? That's right. Uh, you recall the case, I believe it's in Numbers chapter 20, when the people of Israel came to a certain point in their journeys and they were thirsty and they cried out. And uh, God commanded Moses to speak to the rock. Now, back in Exodus chapter 17, God commanded Moses to strike the rock. But in Numbers chapter 20, he commanded Moses to speak to the rock. And according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, the rock is a type of Christ. So when Moses struck the rock in Exodus 17, this was a symbol of Christ being crucified on the cross under the authority of God's law. Yeah. Now, the second incident in Numbers 20, Moses should not have struck the rock the second time. He should have only spoken to the rock, which is what God commanded him to do. But at that point, he was angry. His anger caused him to take the rod and strike the rock a second time. What does this mean governmentally? This means to crucify Christ again, which is something very serious against God's government. And God looked upon this governmentally as a serious thing. And so he immediately came in to deal with Moses governmentally by not allowing Moses to enter into the good land, but causing him to die before he Mm. could enter into that good land. So this is a case where Moses did something seemingly minor. From our point of view, it would be minor. But from God's point of view, from the point of view of God's government, it was very serious. And this also applies to the Corinthian believers in 1 Corinthians 11, in not discerning the body, because the body of Christ is crucial to God's government in the universe. God administrates his government through the body of Christ. So if we are wrong with the body of Christ or do something to offend God's government, such as divide the body of Christ, then we could fall under a very serious judgment from God. Mm. So again, uh, the principle is that the sin unto death always involves this governmental element, God's government being violated in a way that... uh, it really has major implications. But again, the point that Witness Lee made that you just underscored, it all depends on perspective. To the children of Israel, or us maybe reading uh, numbers, it doesn't look like a, that serious a thing. Moses lost his temper, he strikes the rock, no big deal. To God, when you touch his government, this is a big deal. Exactly, Chris. Well, uh, our final section today, uh, I think, underscores a word, particularly for the young believers, for all of us, really, that uh, regardless of whether the sin that we are involved with is in the minor category or this major category that could have life consequences, all sin needs to be avoided. We really need to be on guard because it disrupts the fellowship of the divine life. Here's Witness Lee for our final segment. Well, don't think to sin is a small thing. No, it is not a small thing. None of us should be so free to touch anything 
sinful. Anything that is sinful, we must stay away. We must keep our hands away. It is a serious thing. At least it breaks our fellowship. Then it causes us to have no peace in our conscience. We will lose a conscience without offense. Then it may be a cause to your sickness and even to your physical death. If not to your physical death, it may be very much to your spiritual death. You'll suffer something of sin. Let us learn of two things to fear God about sinning. Number one. Number two, learn to be deep in the fellowship with the Lord that you may be right in his heart, a man of the Lord's heart, that you know his will, not only concerning yourself, but even concerning those who are around you as your fellow members. Then you could uh, help them. You could even uh, impart life to them, not by yourself, even the more, not out of yourself, but out of the Lord by the Holy Spirit. You can channel the divine life out from you into your fellow members. Bob, a marvelous way to conclude the fellowship. We've had these last two days on this uh, important uh, passage. We need to learn to fear God concerning sin, all of us, and we need to become much deeper in our fellowship with him, don't we? Marvelous conclusion. I, I agree, Chris. This is marvelous. On the negative side, we have to realize the seriousness of sin. At least it breaks our fellowship with the Lord and causes us to lose the peace in our conscience. This is serious enough. Right. Some kinds of sin may carry even more serious consequences, such as our suffering physical death. This is on the negative side, but there's a very positive side in this conclusion, and that is that we really need to live in the fellowship of the divine life, not allowing anything to take us and carry us away from this fellowship so that we may become a person who really lives in God's heart. We are just so one with the Lord that his heart, his mind becomes our mind. His feeling about something becomes our feeling about it. His intention, his purpose becomes our intention and our purpose. This is a person who's one with the Lord. Such a person who lives in this kind of way, surely he would not commit sins or he would not live in sins or do serious things to offend the Lord. On the one hand, we would avoid sin by living in the fellowship of life. On the other hand, marvelously, we could be a channel of the divine life to others. Isn't this marvelous? Yes. That the Lord could use us as a channel to flow out his life, which is himself, into our fellow members in the body of Christ. This is truly marvelous and very much needed today. Boy, I'm impressed. (laughs) I don't know what else to say in in our own walk with the Lord. uh, It's one thing to have a kind of a fear of God in a general way, but specifically to really be before him about those things that can take us out of the flow of life. Because it's when we're taken out of the flow of life that we may become weakened and fall into all manner of other sin. And then we need one to step up 
on our behalf and really exactly. become a channel uh, of life imparting, don't we? That's right. Thanks, Bob. Again, I always enjoy the fellowship, but uh, this was a particular portion today. I agree. If you'd like to get these uh, printed life study messages for all of the programs we've done in First John as we near the end here, please contact us toll free one eight 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 Life Study. That's eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. Or send an email to us, radio at lsm.org. Or you can write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Stay with us as we conclude the live studies from 1 John this week and uh, Monday of next week. And then we'll go on to 2 and 3 John. A few more messages yet to go. So for Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks very much for listening today. Millions of Christians have been strengthened in their faith through the ministry of Watchman Nee. In a recent release by Living Stream Ministry entitled The Overcoming Life, Watchman Nee sounds a call to the believers to pursue the normal Christian life that is hidden with God in Christ. The Overcoming Life is filled with truth, reverberates with hope, and brings the reader to renewed consecration. The Overcoming Life by Watchman Nee from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.